This is Deep Dive. I'm Fei Fei. You may or may not have known this, but your iPhone or whatever smartphone you're using right now uses parts from all over the world. His screen could have come from South Korea, his battery from China, camera from Japan, or sensors from the U.S. Most of these parts enjoy zero or minimal tariffs when they are shipped across borders. But this did not come easily. When electronics were not yet widely popular and information technology still felt like a brand new idea, pretty much like how we feel about AI today, officials and business leaders once sat down and talked about how to make that high tech more accessible for all at a forum called the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation, APAC. The idea to cut tariffs on electronics made APAC a name for itself as a pioneer in implementing free trade. In about a week's time, another APAC summit is going to take place in San Francisco. Is APAC still the free trade pioneer as it was once acclaimed to be? And what changes could arise following this San Francisco summit? I spoke with CGTN business reporter Zhu Zhu, who is on her way from Beijing to San Francisco for the event. This episode is brought to you on Friday, November the 10th. Are you packing for your flight to San Francisco? Yes, already. We will fly from Beijing to Shanghai and then to San Francisco. So you're reporting for APAC meetings to San Francisco. And so can you first tell us some of basic information about this APAC? Yeah, sure. So APEC stands for the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation. It is a regional economic forum that brings together 21 member economies from the Asia-Pacific region, including like Australia, Canada, China, Japan, the U.S., and among others. The goal of APEC is to promote free trade and economic cooperation among its member economies. Its primary objectives are to create greater prosperity for the people of the region by promoting balanced, inclusive, sustainable growth and by accelerating regional economic integration. And to achieve this, it focuses on various areas, including like trade liberalization, business facilitation, economic and technical cooperation, and the pursuit of sustainable and inclusive growth. The organization also works on reducing trade barriers and enhancing connectivity among its member economies. And uh, the APEC uh, Economic Leaders Meeting is the annual summit attended by the heads of government from each member economy. So the meeting this year will be held in San Francisco from November 11th to 17th. I'm just very looking forward to attending the meeting there. So the leaders meeting is likely to be the highlight of the whole agenda under APEC. You also mentioned a lot about inclusiveness and also a regional integration in the Asia-Pacific region. And I'm wondering, why is integration or inclusion in economy or trade important to the region? 
Yeah, because you know the idea for APEC was initially proposed by Australian Prime Minister Bob Hogue during a speech in Seoul, Korea, in、um, 1989. And at that time, like 10 months later, 12 Asia Pacific economies met in Canberra to establish APEC, and the proposal was very groundbreaking at that time, and was supported by various regional leaders who saw the need for increased economic cooperation in the Asia Pacific region. And like I mentioned earlier. APEC promotes economic growth and prosperity by facilitating trade and investment among its member economies, the reduction of trade barriers, and the promotion of open markets within the region can lead to increased economic activity, job creation, and also improved standards of living. And APEC aims to reduce tariffs, remove barriers to trade, and simplify those customs procedures. All of these are really helping foster a more efficient flow of goods and services across borders, which is very vital for the growth of businesses and industries in the region. And it also provides a platform for dialogue and cooperation among its diverse member economies. It follows for the exchanges of ideas, policies, and best practices. This collaboration can lead to the development of more effective economic and trade policies. So it's really important. And you also use the word. Groundbreaking in describing、yeah. APEC, and it was founded more than thirty years ago.、Mm-hmm. So, can you give us some example? You know exactly how groundbreaking was it back in the days? Yes, true. Like APEC cooperation in the nineteen nineties was really groundbreaking. For example, especially concerning the、uh, Information Technology Agreement or ITA that significantly impacted trade and technology within the Asia Pacific region, because APEC played a significant role in the adoption of the ITA. In 1996, APEC members, including the major economies of the Asia Pacific region, reached an agreement to eliminate tariffs on a wide range of information technology products. Especially pleased that today, the APEC leaders endorsed the early completion of an information technology agreement, which would cut to zero tariffs a vast array of computers, semiconductors, and telecommunications technology by the year 2000. These products are to the 21st century, what highways and railroads were to the 19th century. Economic and technical cooperation helps APEC members to participate more fully and benefit from an open global trading environment, thus ensuring that liberalized trade contributes to sustainable growth and equitable development and to a reduction. In economic disparities, this agreement was a、uh, very revolutionary at that time, as it aimed to reduce trade barriers on IT products, facilitating increased access to technology, and promoting innovation within the region. And、uh, the ITA's implementation within APEC helped to significantly boost international trade, especially in information technology products. Because by eliminating tariffs on numerous tech products, it has enhanced the affordability and also the、uh, accessibility of such products across those members. And later, such a model has been extended to other sectors to facilitate overall economic growth、uh, for those member economies. 
I guess it's part of the trade negotiations that we constantly hear over the news. You know, countries or economies held meetings to negotiate certain trade problems, like you just mentioned in information technology in the 1990s. But for us, like ordinary people, common people out there, what did these kind of trade negotiations mean for us? Did it mean that we are paying less? Yeah, this is a very good question. Many people are paying attention to this. Like when tariffs are reduced or eliminated on specific products, it can potentially lead to lower prices for those products.、Um, reduced trade barriers also foster increased competition among those manufacturers and providers. So this competition often leads to innovations and cost efficiencies. Which can, in turn, influence prices in the consumer market, and there are also more trade agreements to come, such as the、uh, Environmental Goods Agreement. Since 2014, WTO and APEC members have tried to negotiate the、uh, Environmental Goods Agreement or、uh, EGA and have conducted many rounds of negotiations, but haven't got the deal done yet. What's worth mentioning is that deals reached under the APEC framework is not legally binding, but、um, They can actually, they can still accelerate the process of putting them into legalization.、Um, so we can look forward to seeing more trade agreements like this be put forward in the future that can really benefit we ordinary people. As you said, deals or agreements reached under the APEC framework is not legally binding. And does this mean that APEC as A framework or not really a legally binding organization has some sort of inherent flaws.、Um, not really. Like APEC thrives on collaboration among its member economies, and、uh, reluctance from those major players such as the U.S. in actively participating in regional economic and trade cooperation really undermines the、uh, collective efforts of the forum. In recent years, the rise of U.S. trade protectionism. And a general reluctance to actively engage in those regional economic and trade cooperation, along with the、uh, slow progress in negotiations on the Asia Pacific、uh, free trade area, have had significant impacts on APEC. The slow progress in negotiations for the Asia Pacific free trade area directly affects the objective of establishing free and open trade in the region. This also hampers the、uh, potential growth and integration of economies in the Asia Pacific. It also creates divisions and can hinder consensus building and decision making progress. So this uncertainty may also discourage investments and hinder growth prospects for its member economies. But what about other countries? APEC has more than twenty member economies. What are the reactions from other countries and other economies? Yes.、Um, so many other countries are still playing a very positive role in boosting cooperation among APEC members, such as China. So China committed to build an Asia Pacific community with a shared future. We shall keep up our good work to put the Perchajaya Vision 2040 into action and endeavor to build an Asia-Pacific community with a shared future featuring openness and inclusiveness, innovation-driven growth, greater connectivity, and mutually beneficial cooperation.
、um, China's vision for a such a community encourages policy coordination and also multilateral dialogue. This can provide a platform for APEC member economies to discuss common challenges, share best practices, and also work together on issues such as economic development, trade, and regional stability. Meanwhile, collaborative discussions and coordinated policies can foster an environment that's conducive to economic development. By aligning policies and sharing best practices, APEC economies can、uh, create more robust frameworks for trade and sustainable economic growth. For example, Singapore has championed the、uh, sustainable development initiatives within APEC,、uh, focusing on issues such as sustainable urban development, green technologies, and also climate change resilience to foster cooperation、um, in environmental sustainability. And like Australia has also pushed for greater support for SMEs or small and medium-sized enterprises within APEC, initiating discussions and programs to enhance SME participation in international trade and foster their growth in the、um, global market. This time, you are flying to San Francisco in the United States, but you also said that. Over the past few years, we have seen U.S. seeing a rising in its trade protectionism, and does that mean by hosting the APEC meetings this time, the U.S. is actually walking back to regional and international cooperation? Well, I personally think that、um, it does not necessarily guarantee a complete shift for the U.S. to go back to a regional cooperation. Uh, while hosting APEC signifies engagement in a regional economic forum, it may not indicate an、uh, immediate change in the country's approach to regional cooperation, but it's a、uh, step forward. Because you know the U.S. has been a key participant in APEC since its inception in 1989. While there have been some fluctuations in its level of engagement, historically the U.S. has recognized the importance of APEC as a platform for economic discussions. However, the U.S. trade policy has undergone shifts over time. Different administrations have varying approaches to multilateral trade and regional cooperation. So, participation in forums like APEC could also serve as a way to strengthen ties with its regional allies and partners too. Who knows, right? Um. So, I'm just very looking forward to attending the meeting, and just let's see how it turns out. I hope you also enjoy San Francisco and also the trip in the U.S. overall. Thank you, yeah, thank you, thank you so much. It's been more than a decade since the United States last hosted an APEC summit. The last time was in Honolulu in 2011. The world has changed much since then, and so has the U.S. What hasn't changed much is the group photo of world leaders posing in the traditional clothing of the host country. The fashion tradition started in 1993 when the then U.S. President Bill Clinton prescribed bomber jackets in Seattle. That was a time when the U.S. was still a firm supporter of free trade and globalization. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Deep Dive. If you like what you just heard, don't forget to follow us on your podcast platform. Just search for Deep Dive. You can also leave comments to tell us what you want to know about China and beyond. 
This episode is brought to you by me, Fei Fei, and my colleagues Li Yunqi, Zhang Zhang, and Qi Zhi. Special thanks to CGTN business reporter Zhu Zhu. I'll see you in the next one.